Welcome to Married to the Job, a podcast for partners of emergency services workers and those considering the lifestyle change. This podcast includes stories, opinions, honest chats about what it's like when your partner works in emergency services and the impact of ultimately being married to the job. I'm your host Erin. My husband Matt has been a firefighter since 2016. We've grown our family alongside his career and wow has it been a roller coaster. Let's dive in. So I'm just going to go rogue with this interview with my darling husband. (laughs) He's shaking his head. (laughs) My darling husband, Matt, welcome to the potty. Hi. You have to talk into the microphone. I am talking into it. (laughs) And you're home. I'm home. Isn't this nice? You're home today. Four days. Yes. Bring it on. And hopefully there's some sunshine. And you can do great. some gardening and stay away from me. <laughs> so what's your role at the moment? Tell everyone what you're doing at the moment. So currently, as you're aware, I'm uh, instructing on a recruit course with four day shifts where I stay away for three nights and then home for four. So no night shifts, which has been nice. But obviously, for you? Being, <laughs> obviously being away for four full days and three full nights is slightly different. Uh, I'm enjoying the role and sort of the change of pace to station life and working with different people and helping new people come into the job. And mm. yeah, It's definitely been a change, mm. but you're loving it, aren't you? You just want to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, no, please yeah. stop. <laughs> Maybe yeah. when the kids are a bit older, but yeah. who knows. Um, let's talk about you and your experience to date. So how long have you been in... So I joined CFA uh, back in August 2016, so I've been in a bit over seven years. Um, so I did my recruit course back then, which was still the same. It was four days on, four days off. Uh, did you have a choice then? Or did everyone have to go stay there? Oh yeah, so that's slightly different too, but um, yeah. Everyone on our recruit course then were required to stay away from their families, regardless of how close they lived. Um, whereas now, the recruits do have a choice of staying, um, and then it'll depend on how far away they live, as to depending on how many nights they are offered accommodation. So, um, are most of them this round staying, uh, or is it a mix? Yeah, I'd say majority are now. There were a couple of teething issues at the start where there was, you know, they were on the borderline, yeah, the cusp of, you know, where they drew the line in the sand, but um, just due to traffic and whatever else, it's Mm. much safer for them to offer accommodation. So, yeah, I I don't know the exact number, maybe 20 out of the 28 would be staying. Yeah. So for you, you, you got in and then you were staying away and then you graduated in the December. Yep. And then where did you go? Did Were we worried about you going to the... Country. Country? Yeah, we were. I mean, before, or I guess when I first applied for it, we were still in our old house in Croydon South. And remember we were looking at buying a house in Chanside and then we were like... Oh, yeah. We put it all off on hold because if I was applying and then I could have been posted obviously at that stage we hadn't had a kid so the life no we had 
No, not when I first applied. Oh, like the very first yeah, time. Yeah. So when was that? The very first time you applied? I think it was back in 2013. Yeah. Oh, really? Had we only just met? Didn't we meet in 2012? Yep. And, and then, what, and you applied the year later? Yeah. What, what inspired you to apply? I mean, I've shared all this from my perspective. But yeah, okay. What inspired you? Um, to be honest, I hadn't considered it as a career um, at all. Um, but when I was a mechanic, I was working for CFA, retrofitting all the old appliances with a um, an appliance is a truck sorry yeah. <laughs> uh retrofitting them all with a bushfire safety um program that they rolled out so in the time that i was working for cfa my boss the oic of the um station i guess you'd call it workshop um he just spruiked the idea saying that i uh i should apply and it's a really good job and all that and i'd guess from there it just sort of went off so now yeah after graduating uh i was sent to craigieburn fire station yeah so thankfully we didn't have to move to the country although i think we would have looked at it as a bit of an adventure then yeah definitely we weren't tied down here other than with family and i think that's the difference between starting when you've got babies or young kids because at that point we had a baby and we were pregnant Mm. And we weren't, yeah, like we weren't in the community as such. We hadn't even really settled in a community by then. Like no, a, we, we knew we out. were going to be moving house. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the the so sky was the limit. It was, yeah. And um, I guess going back to rookies and we had, a, we had to put a preference, station preferences down. Mm. So we had a, I can't remember exactly, I think it was like 20... Do they still do this? Uh, no. Well, they, they only they actually, choose... They actually consider location of where you live and... Oh, right. Yeah, they're That's a bit good. more um, supportive of that. Right. Whereas back in the day, it was more if you what didn't they prove needed. yourself on oh, rookies... Oh, really? You would be punished. Right. could be punished and sent away. Right. Um, so, yeah, put the um, preferences down and... There were certain stations that I chose. Mm, what did you put down? Location. So Baronia was for number one. Mm. Craigieburn was number two. And then number three, I reckon, was maybe Springvale or somewhere like that. Um, Why did you put Craigieburn as number two? said it was a um, good training station. Right. Uh, good people that work there. Um, and I kind of wanted to stay with the smaller... Like, I'm not overly outgoing... So I didn't want to get stationed at a large station where there was multiple appliances and, you know, 12 plus people mm, working there. That so would I be so full on. My, for my personality and professional growth, I uh, wanted to stay for a, a one truck or a one appliance station and um, develop my skills as a basic firefighter before I, you know, took on specialist appliances. So... And so how long were you there? What made you move? So we had minimum staffing back then, which was um, on primary appliances, which are like your main fire truck. They had a um, three personnel um, staffing chart. So they'd have an officer, a leading firefighter and a firefighter on each primary appliance. And then three months or four months, uh, from graduating they 
increase the staffing chart to um, improve fire ground safety. So they increased it, which then therefore made there wasn't enough bedding and dorm space for extra firefighters like myself. So once you come out of recruits, you're classified as an above strength fiery. Um, and you're not, you don't really have, you get given a home, but you don't, you're not necessarily assigned to that station full time. So at that point in time, Craigie Burn was overstaffed, if you look at it like that. And they had to force two people to move from uh, Oh, that's station. right. So yeah. I drew the short straw and got forced to move to Altham. Mm. Um, Which was closer to home for us. It was, yeah, definitely. Half my travel time and all that, which was nice. However, it was a bit of a slow station. I, I kind of hadn't finished what I wanted to achieve at Craigie Man. But in hindsight, it, it's worked out in the end. Mm. It's been, it was a good move. It was a good move for us. Mm. Um, you know, we were there for, I was settled in a station, so we could then buy that, buy our house. Mm. which we have now um and yeah took it as it come so. and so then you're at Altham and then you moved to Hallam yeah didn't you? yeah so I spent three years at Altham fire station fire station 80 two <laughs> Craig events fire station 80 um and yeah I used a a freak kick which I sort of earned spending the amount of time at Altham that I did um and I wanted to continue working with a, uh, a boss that I had at Altham. So he, he got transferred to Hallam. So I put my name on Hallam's transfer list and took the next job that came up. So. And I remember being so nervous about you moving there because Altham, you pretty much always slept on your night shift. And yeah. then Hallam was, Hallam's near Dandenong, which Dandenong's one of the busiest stations. And there was a lot going on at that time too. So there was oh, yeah. a lot of change in our life yeah. happening because we were We're're trying to renovate. Yeah. Well, well, we might have just moved back in by the time I'd been sent to Hallam. Yeah, obviously had a new child who didn't sleep all that great. And yeah. then off you went. And yeah, because I was then nervous that you weren't going to get much sleep Yeah. on yeah. your nights. Which, I mean, let's talk about the sleep because it's probably the hardest part from my perspective day to day with your role is not knowing and I mean it's so hard for us to have this conversation in a way because I feel like you've not been doing a normal shift rotation nearly a year yeah I think I started instructing back in April and then in February this year I did a four-week um Course. Trainer course. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's it's been a while since mm. you've been on the two days on, two nights, two nights four off, yeah. which generally in the four off, most fireys need to do an overtime. Yeah, or they do a private job or something, yeah. Yeah, um, which we can talk about. But the night thing, yeah, generally when you are, say, on shift, because mm. you will be going <laughs> back to shift in Feb, say, um the sleep Mm. so you obviously get assigned the same room in the dorm Mm -hmm. and then what do you do like from a layman's perspective you go and make your bed before the shift starts i'm hoping that this background noise isn't impacting the sound um 
So yeah, traditional night shift, you uh, obviously start at 6pm, um, you do your master and truck checks and organise dinner, um, and then after dinner if there's, you know, whatever training or admin that you have to catch up on from the days, you can do. Um, yeah, but I mean about like setting up your bedroom. Yeah, so it depends how organised you want to be. Some people get in there before the shift starts, make their bed up and organise all that. But if it's first night shift, I just, I wait until I'm, I go to bed uh, until I make mine up. But it can catch you out. So if you get a late job or whatever, you end up making your bed oh, up at one o'clock. That's or, annoying. You know, and so the rooms, like, because this is stuff that most people ask me about. Mm. So the rooms, you in your station and yep. most stations you so share stations. today's stations is different oh what are they so they're just basically a small box with a single bed and a desk there's no bedding cupboards they got small cupboards in their um hallways or walkways right outside the dorms and then they've got um personal lockers in a um shared change room and what about their little ensuite? No, they don't have it. Oh, don't. where's their toilet? So we we have a shared toilet out in the um, common area of the dorm. Right. Dormitories. Just then, a shower in yeah, that little room. Yeah. So, so you've got like an interconnecting shower between shower the basin. next. Yeah. So you share so a you shower share and a basin shower. between uh, two dorms. And so is that the same at Div A? No. So oh. they've got their communal shower yeah oh really change room shower oh okay yeah so you've got it better then slightly yeah right and then you've just got a little split system in the room yeah and your so hallam's fire stations on a main road yeah so your your biggest thing when you're trying to get to sleep would you say is obviously you i'm assuming you're a bit anxious about maybe having a job or you fired up from a job you've beat yeah, just that, being I think that's to. The no worst pun part. intended. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the worst part. Getting back from a job. Oh, I can't even imagine. Um, the you adrenaline. Have to be switched on mm. and just you know going back Alert. to exposing yourself to like lights mm. um, and noises and everything else like that. So switching off from the job can be the hardest part. But you know, I guess you just got to go into your normal sleep routine, which is what I try and do. So um, just get in, try not to look at my phone, but generally I do. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, try not to think about the jobs because mm. there's times where you you work up that you might get a job, you know, say Friday night or Saturday night where it's generally busy. Mm. Um, yeah, you, there's still some times where it's, it's a quiet one, which is, you know, random and then you just, reduce your sleep even more so do you are the rules the same everywhere that you can't really go to sleep until 11 yeah that stated in our eba that you're rest and recline from 11 p.m till 7 a.m yeah right yeah so you have to stay up and about till 11 yeah and then you can go into your room yeah (laughs) um and then yeah it's been funny there's been times where he's you can, you're obviously so close to other rooms. So if someone's watching a video on their phone yeah. and the, it's loud and they're mm. not really thinking about their peers, yeah. 
that stuff can impact how you fall asleep, but also then obviously the traffic and then jobs. So then when a job, so say you're asleep, but you're not, we've come to the conclusion using your watch that you're not ever really in a deep sleep. So even if you get to full night sleep, it's not quality sleep. I beg to argue that I'm the same though, because when I'm home and I'm responsible for all the kids, Mm. I'm definitely not getting as deep a sleep in my head. Uh, (laughs) Because you're you're the sole responsibility and there might be a baby or whatever, a kid Mm. cry out or wake you up or whatever. Yeah. Um, But so say you're asleep, what happens if you get a job? Yeah, so you have the station tones go off, so there's speakers in every dorm, out in the hallways and that. Um, so there'll be a tone that goes off. What's the tone? Oh, it's changed. It used to be a real aggressive sort of alarm oh, tone. Oh, gosh. Which would wake you up abruptly. Mm. Um, but now it's sort of quite, it starts off quite dulcet and then gets uh, louder and louder. Right. But uh, all the dorm lights come on and station lights come on, so... It's still a, a shock of a wake up. And, and the then, thing with your, sorry to interrupt, yeah. the thing with your station too is that you've got the hazmat truck. Yeah. So if they get a call, so how do you explain that? So a general fire call will be just the pump going or your, your primary appliance going. So the crew on that hazmat um, will, depending on the shifts, will assist the pump crew to get out the door and lock up the station again. Um, and then they'll head back to the dorms. Yeah, so ultimately if they get a call but you're not on that truck that night, yeah, you still have to get up. You're still depends, woken. Yeah, depends on the shift and what the boss expects. Yeah, but, but you're still woken up. You're still woken up every time. Yeah. 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 And then, so then you go, to, you have to, how quickly do you have to get into your gear and what do you wear to bed? What do most people wear to bed? Everyone varies. Yeah. Um, I just wear, um, so we've got these shorts that are called comfy shorts because um, I can't sleep in a t-shirt and socks. Mm. So I just have socks by the side of the bed. T-shirt generally gets hung on the door handle of the door. So as I open the door, I grab grab my shirt, chuck it on. Um, and how quick do you have to be dressed? Yeah, so you've got to be in the truck in 90 seconds. So... Socks go on as soon as you wake up, shirt goes on as you're walking down, get into your gear, get in the truck and turn out from there, but 90 seconds from as soon as the tone goes up, so you got to wake up. Do you try to like beat your time? No, I think just if you just got that baseline of 90 seconds. Because you're all trying to go in calm, yeah. are you? You're not yeah, going you in like, oh, there's a call, quick, get dressed, like no, I would. Definitely not. <laughs> I think there's some stations that where you don't get as many calls, there's still that, I guess, uh, I don't know. Excitement. Yeah, I almost. guess. Or Adrenaline. Rush. Yeah. Um, but for you, say so what are most of your calls at night time, unfortunately for you? Um, they vary a lot. Like, you know, it can be EMRs, can be... What's EMR? Emergency for... medical response. So, so explain that. So that's where we assist AV where a patient Ambulance has. Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> um, where we help them um, conduct CPR and... So ultimately EMR is the 
shit job. Yeah. Yeah, code, basically. what is it? Code one. Code zero. Code zero. Code zero for, so yeah. ultimately the person's either dying or he's dead, yeah, isn't struggling it? Struggling to breathe. Yeah. 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 Can't breathe or unconscious, not breathing. Yeah. So how often do you say would you say you help them? Um it comes in ways, but you know, you can help them from once a tour, which is a four shift, so you two days and two nights, mm. or it can be once per shift. Be multiple times for shit. It just varies. I reckon the change in weather is a big one where you get exposed to more AMRs, like from hot to cold mm. or cold to warm and stuff like that, and the seasons. So you definitely see more at the start of change season, I reckon. Mm. But hit and miss. And then, yeah, so what are some other calls you might get at night so more so? Alarms or FIPs, whatever you want to call them. Um, are a big and the one. alarms, where do you, I mean, obviously it's kind of based on where you're located, but you're near a lot of factories. So yeah. I'm assuming that factories, there's a lot the of hospital, like Dandenong Hospital, um, there's TAFEs over in Dandenong, which get, uh, we go to a bit. And with that, so when it's an alarm call, what do you have to do? So uh, once you get on scene, um, there's a panel that you look at and it will tell you what the situation is, whether it's a smoke detector or a sprinkler has gone off or... So this is what happens when you're shopping at the shopping centre and the alarm goes off and you all have to be evacuated and wait for the fireys. Yeah. They've yeah. got to go sort out the panel. That's yeah. why it takes so long. So you got to look at the panel and then work out what has been activated. Um, and then you've obviously got to investigate. So whether it's accidental or whether it's from fire or whether it's from steam or... You know, there's multiple reasons for an alarm to activate. Mm. Um, but once you've, you know, acknowledged that there's been no smoke or fire or it's an accidental, um, they can reset it. Um, if it's a faulty detector or sensor or something like that, they can isolate it potentially, um, depending on how new the panel is. And then, um, yeah, once you reset it, job's sort of over and head back to station. So what are some other night jobs? Uh, lots of car accidents, especially hoons. Hoons, people drink driving mm, at night. Yeah, more so. yeah, mm. yeah. Um, especially down along Monash mm. and Princess Highway, and that um, there's a lot of it. So, yeah, I guess you get the odd house fire here and there, but yeah, generally, I guess you get the neighbours dobbing on people that'll have backyard fires going. And, mm get that a bit but yeah it just varies mm. thank you so much for listening we're gonna pause it here and part two will be live next week and if you want to reach out to matt or myself just use at the parents hub and you'll find us thanks so much for listening see you next week this podcast was brought to you by me erin burke thank you so much for listening you are welcome to email me at erin at the parents hub .com.au. That is my not-for-profit that I run. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land and I pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging.